Good afternoon, everyone. Welcome. My name is Marilyn Shannon, and this is the Breaking Free Show. And I welcome you with open arms. Thank you so much for being here today. It's really lovely to have you. And I know your time is precious, so we are delighted that you've chosen to spend it with us today. Uh, we have a wonderful guest on. And we, I was just saying, we had the show before the show. You should have been there. It was great. We connected, and we have so many things we want to talk about. So before we get started with our show, I want to say hi to Amnon. Hello, how are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm just fine. You are. You're raring to go, it's aren't nice you? It's nice outside. He is raring it, to go. Yep. You are, aren't you? Full of good energy today. Yeah, absolutely. Amnon is full of good energy, so things are good, right? Things are good. Good. Knock I'm, on wood. Knock on wood, man. Hey, yeah. Hail Mary. Um, anyway, you know, if you've been here before, and if you haven't, let me tell you, we always love to bring you interesting, inspiring people ideas, philosophies, tr strategies, anything that we can think of, dig up, and share that will set us free. That each and every time we listen to these individuals, we understand the philosophy, we take a step forward, we will release ourselves and, and give ourselves permission to be who we want to be, to go where we want to go, to experience life, to feel free. And today's guest is really interesting because she did exactly that. She is breaking free in action. Her name is Heidi Siefkus, and I hope I pronounced that correctly. She's an author. She's an adventurer, which I love people who are adventurers, and I want to welcome Heidi to our show. Hi, Heidi. Hello. Hello. I'm so excited to share my story with you and uh, get to know your audience. Well, we know what? We're really happy to have you. You are you are so bubbly and so, I mean, juicy. I can't wait for you to share. So you know what? I'm just going to say Heidi's going to share. You are always welcome, anybody out there, to call into the studio anytime you want to 919-518-9773 if you're calling from a landline or a cell phone. You can always connect with us on Skype at computers, that's plural, number two, K voice. You can come in on voice. And we have a chat. So you are welcome to put your name right under the video, nickname, whatever you like, and you can ask questions in the chat. You can communicate with us. We'd love to have you any way you want to be here. And if you just want to kick back and listen and enjoy, go right ahead, do that too. So Heidi, take us into your story. Let's press rewind to 2009. And the person that you see in front of you now, um, was juggling a lot of balls. I was a successful travel industry executive uh, managing uh, marketing and PR for an international te travel technology firm, traveling from Berlin one day, taking a flight to LA, rubbing elbows with travel industry executives at the Playboy Mansion and a red eye back to Orlando. Um, I was also happily married to a Brazilian chef, a homeowner in South Florida, keeping up with the Joneses, or as we would say here, the Juarezes, and uh, living a healthy lifestyle. So I seemingly had it all. Then on one of those travels, I found myself in Hudson River Valley, New York. I'm not sure if any of you are familiar with Poughkeepsie, mm -hmm. but uh, taking out the trash changed my life. And you may ask yourself how doing something as mundane as taking out the trash could change someone's life. But it stopped me in my tracks. It was the fall color change in September 2009. And I decided to take a walk and admire the beauty of the fall colors. But meanwhile, as a multitasker, seemingly superwoman would do. I did more than one thing than take a walk. I was going to take out the trash at the same time. I exited the building and everything went blank. I didn't see, hear, or luckily uh, feel a thing. The next thing I know, I awoke in the ICU of St. Francis Hospital in Poughkeepsie five days later. Now, I did not know why I was there. I was confused. I was afraid. And 
To my left and right were my husband, my mother, and also a doctor that put the pieces of my puzzle together. Apparently, a 1,000-pound tree limb from a healthy tree on a normal fall day had clobbered me, stopping me in my tracks. And it broke my C7 vertebra and left me unconscious. Hmm. I don't even want to interrupt you. I just want you to keep going. And... <sighs> is it still like, emotional for you, Heidi? It is still emotional because um, not only did that tree limb affect me physically, it was the catalyst for a complete life change. Mm -hmm. And as I don't know if it's an adage or it's a common saying that bad things typically happen in threes, that tree limb had a ripple effect of other loss. So I am so fortunate to be here speaking to you uh, healthy. I have recovered physically, but it was a long, painful road. It took about nine months to physically recover, during which I had a lot of time to reflect on my life path and discover things about that seemingly perfect life that I had that needed to be changed. You know, I'm just, I, I, I just had a thought about something. You know, I, I'm, I'm, I saw something in you just uh, when you were telling your story, and I said, I don't want to interrupt. I just want you to keep going. And I saw you, you know, and maybe I was making that up. You can tell me. But I saw you in, as you were telling your story, in that little slit of a window, like re have chills again by the experience. And I know that when something, uh, and I'm, when something really touches you, no matter how many times you relive it, you hear it, you taste it, whatever it is, you, you, you get chills again when it's so close to you. And I think that that's something that you just, you just shared. I mean, did you have that experience? Is it still, whenever you go back there, do you still like connect with it as if it was just again? I've found that through sharing my story, whether it's in this format or writing my book or even doing the audio versions that I relive the experience mm -hmm. on another another level. Mm -hmm. yeah. the, the emotions are still very fresh and vivid, um, but not all of it is now pain. Uh, some of it is exactly the opposite, that mm -hmm. it was such a, uh, a blessing in disguise, mm -hmm. what happened to me. Yeah, I, 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 seeing that in you just now, and I know that I'm, this is maybe not as, it's a little similar. I'm writing a book and I love my title. And every time I hear my title, I get the chills. And I think that when you, everyone out there, when you are doing something that you are passionate about or whatever the experience is that you remember, you relive, you know, there is a, a, a reconnection with it when it's a kind of meant to be kind of thing and it's so a part of you and you just saw that in Heidi and I really want to thank you for being so authentic. So anyway, I'm going to turn it back over to you. So as I mentioned, that tree limb physically um, stopped me in my tracks and stopped everything that I was doing, but it allowed me to analyze and reflect on, on that life path. And it was the spark to many other changes. That high-powered travel industry job of, of mine was such a tremendous part of my identity. It was my professional identity. And with such a lengthy recovery ahead of me, I was forced to resign from that position. So not only was I limited to a brace, unable to return to South Florida while I was recovering, from my broken neck and other injuries. Then I lost that portion of myself as well as put into financial peril. And um, as I said, things happen in three. So physically hurt, financially and professionally hurt. And the 
final, most intense blow of it all is that during this time, I discovered that my marriage was in turmoil. My husband, the successful Brazilian chef, had been living a double life for over a year. So when I tell people the title of my book, When All Balls Drop, my When All Balls Drop moment was in September of 2009 in Poughkeepsie, New York. My health, my marriage, and my career all fell almost simultaneously. And I share my story because I feel that many people go through a moment like this, that they feel that what else can go wrong? What else can I go through? And my story is a story of triumph, of life change, and what is called in medical terms post-dramatic growth. So many people are familiar with post-traumatic stress. There's also a flip side or the upside to any loss or trauma, whether that's career loss, a traumatic injury, or a relationship, and that is growth the opportunity to use it as a springboard. And that's uh, what I'm here to share, that there is an opportunity every day in every hurdle or challenge to start a life 2.0. Wonderful. So, um, so Kay Head, so, so you're in the hospital and you're, you have a brace and I'm sure, uh, I, I mean, painful and scared and nine months is a long time so what did you do what was the first thing you did actually I was in denial for uh, about a month long period where I didn't really understand the severity of my situation and there were times that I kind of reverted back to being superwoman thinking that oh, I'll just let people know that I'll be back in two weeks or I'll be back in four weeks. I'll still be able to go and speak at this expo or I'll be able to do this. I'll be able to go to uh, my best friend's wedding and be the singer at that wedding in Arizona. But little by little, I left that denial behind because I realized that this wasn't... Uh, a broken arm and a cast and that in six weeks I would be able to exercise again, shower again. This was something that was going to be a very lengthy process. And Heidi, did, did you even, I mean, the first thing that goes through my mind is when this occurs, did go, I mean, going through your mind was there like, oh my God. I mean, I could have died. What am I meant to be doing? Did that happen, like, quickly? Because I, I can't, sitting on this side of hearing your story, I'm thinking to myself, what, first of all, what does a 1,000-pound tree look like? How big is it? And, I mean, are you thinking, oh, my God, I could have been dead, smushed, mushed into the ground, and I'm alive, so something is, I'm, I mean, I am here for something big. I would hear it in the hospital from my doctors, from my family members, my husband, but I didn't realize how lucky I was until I saw with my very eyes the size of that immense tree limb. A thousand pound tree limb is hard to fathom when you hear it because of course I don't remember anything of the event. So I laid my eyes on that tree limb. It was a few months after the event and chills went down my spine my mouth just dropped open and I couldn't believe that I was strong enough to walk away from that yes mind you injured with uh, many many months of recovery ahead of me but it was I would say about 20 feet long and it had multiple uh, offshoots so it was a limb that had other small branches on it it was unable or it was so heavy that my mother, husband, and other friends could not move that from the alleyway from which it had fallen. And believe you me, that tree limb graced that same area outside of an apartment building for many, many months. Um, 
upon about nine months after this accident occurred, I eventually um, saw the tree with new eyes. And I won't uh, give away what happened to said tree limb, but it's, uh, it's a real uh, funny vignette from, <laughs> from my book. So, um, so, so what was the, f the next thing you did? You're in the hospital, you're, I mean, rehab, all of those kinds of things, time to be there, you, you know, time to think, time to process. What was, well, your, what was your steps? I underwent neurosurgery and I was then um, introduced to my companion for the next six months, which was a Miami JTO brace, which kept me immobile from my neck to my belly button and then around on the torso as well. And a Miami JTO sounds like a sexy sports car that you would drive on South Beach. Yeah. And knowing that I was living in South Florida, it's kind of ironic that I end up in uh, a brace that has that name. But I nicknamed it my cage because it certainly was not comfortable and uh, it really was that. It was, it was my protective skeleton as well as somewhat a uh, little bit of a prison. And I was not able to return to South Florida because I was still under the care of this neurosurgeon that would not allow me to travel until my spine had hopefully um, fused and recovered. Heidi, so, where did the tree land? The tree landed um, basically on this side of, uh, of my body and it broke my C7 vertebra, as well as gave me a massive concussion, brain swelling, fractured bones in, in many places of my body. So I am one lucky human being. I mean, being it did not, yeah, I mean, I mean, within a breath of it just falling on your chest. I mean, within a breath of I mean, within a breath of work, of just awful, 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 within a breath. But it didn't. But it didn't. And that's what's... It didn't. It didn't. And that is, that's that's a, a, a major focus of where I want to go eventually with you because, I mean, things are meant to be, I guess, right? Um, I was put on this planet, I believe, to teach. And... I had been a teacher in a classroom before, teaching language, whether that was English as a second language or Spanish. And I didn't find that the classroom was the format for me to teach and inspire others. And what this event has allowed me to realize is that by writing a book or books and also speaking, that allows me to teach and inspire, but from outside of four walls. So uh, this is almost as if it's virtual in <laughs> teaching. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So you're in the hospital. Go ahead, Bring, keep, keep, uh, so, keep taking us there. So uh, I was able to leave the hospital, and that was a joyous moment because that's just one step closer to a regular life. And for the first time, I was very grateful that I had divorced parents that lived in two separate places in the world. My mother lived outside of Boston, so much closer to uh, Hudson River Valley, New York. And my father was in South Florida. So someone could look over uh, at my home, my car, my life there, while I had someone close enough to Hudson River Valley to give me a dose of needed TLC. and. Uh, Yesterday was Mother's Day, so I have to give a shout-out to my mother in Massachusetts. Happy Mother's Day, Mom. Thank you for the TLC. I left the hospital and stayed with my mother in her living room on that fold-out couch, which became my road to recovery suite for the next three months. So you were in the hospital six months? I was in the hospital for very little. It was oh. about two weeks. Oh, wow. And after the, the surgery was successful... They wanted me out of the hospital and in a more normal setting. So I went to my mother's home and spent the next three months there recovering and forced to be in this brace. And there was no 
physical therapy or rehab until that brace came off. And that brace came off six months after the accident happened. And the, the irony of it all is that the accident happened around the fall. So when the fall leaves were falling, the, the autumn was turning into winter. And then I was in this cage or protective shell during the winter months. And finally upon spring, around March of the following year, is when I gradually started to wean myself out of the brace, um, very much like a, a, a butterfly. You know, I'm, I'm uh, go ahead. You know, I don't, usually I always have stuff to say. And I really don't have that much to say because I just want to keep hearing how you continued and how you progressed because I think it's, there's so much, you know, so often we are faced with so many life lessons that we can, that sometimes we think we can handle, sometimes that we think we can't. And everything about this is a step-by-step meant to be it's, it's so in alignment with each piece is so in alignment with something else and i do have to say i appear very positive and i think that that's kind of part of my dna but there were times along this process that were some grand pity parties mm -hmm. and what i call adult temper tantrums um, I was very frustrated along this process with the healthcare system in the United States. I needed to be my own advocate, and I wasn't really in the best position to be my own advocate. But I had no other choice than to take my healthcare into my own hands. Um, also, uh, the emotional things that were going on with the other loss um, made me, I think, get as close to insanity's ledge as I've ever been before. Many people have gone through relationship breakups or divorce or facing infidelity, but at the same time, I was also not physically well and also facing what would become uh, of myself professionally. And so all of those compacting founder, uh, factors, I was at the bottom of my barrel. Everything that I had held dear, I'd lost. And I thought to myself, how can I get my life back? And what I found through this time that I had to reflect, and a lot of this time reflecting, I started out walking because I was still able to walk. I just could not move my torso or my neck. But being in isolation, in a place that's not my home, living out of a suitcase, I needed to have these walks to somewhat change my physical location in order to shift my perspective. And I decided that I needed to prioritize. I couldn't do it all at the same time. I needed to take care of one thing and I prioritized. You gotta take care of your health. You're going to forget about what's going on with your marriage and what's going on with your career so that you can focus on the first and foremost, which is you have a broken neck. You have bigger fish to fry than anything else. And little by little, when I got my health under control, my pain under control, got out of the cage and started physical therapy, uh, then I was able to start thinking about what to do with the next biggest thing, which is uh, my marriage, my uh, relationship. Heidi, how, what would you tell our, our, our listeners? Uh, how, how, do you, how do you isolate the first thing in the priority list? Because, you know, for you it was a health-related thing. Sometimes the, the lines are blurrier. How, do you, how would you suggest somebody find that first thing? Because it, certain things can be overwhelming. And so how do you isolate that first thing? For me, um, a lot of this had to do by 
eliminating the multitasking and finding focus. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of people can connect with, the, they feel frazzled a lot in, in this day and age where we're connected to our Facebook accounts and our mobile phones almost 24-7 that we sleep with them. If there aren't moments of just one-track thinking, it's hard to prioritize. And so I guess in my situation, what which, which was a blessing, was a lot of what was, uh, you know, my continued busyness was eliminated. And that was the gift that I was able to find what was priority one. But I know that you don't need to have a, a dozen pound tree limb hit you over the head to find priority one. But you do need to have something that puts you in the moment. And I would say the buzzword this day and age is all about meditation. But sometimes that word doesn't gel well with some people. They think, oh, I've got to go and go on a yoga retreat or I have to do gardening. But I don't like either of those two things. And the thing is, is that meditation, that, that practice, brings you into the moment. And it doesn't have to be what someone else has called meditation. It can be your own secret sauce for meditation. And that's the reason why I travel. And that's why I choose adventure to be a part of my life. Because I get a little bit of that dose of perspective as well as the goal of any meditation practice, putting you in the moment. Mm -hmm. So that's, so, so let me just say, so I think part of what I'm hearing is find that one thing if, that you can do that puts you in that moment. That may not be the priority of the priority list, but it's what gets you. It's the bridge to the priority list. It's the bridge to the first thing you want to start to accomplish, take on, whatever it is. So could be meditation, could be exercise, it could be just sitting listening to music, it's listening, which is a big thing for me, it, taking a walk, whatever that is for you, start with that. Is that what you're... I think, I think that's spot on. Okay. Perfect. So if, if it is listening, that you're listening and that's all that you're doing. Mm -hmm. And then that uh, priority list will start to pop for you. Absolutely. Yeah. In, in fact, during this process, I learned a lesson and I didn't want to forget it because many of us learn lessons and then we revert to bad habits, old habits. And through this process, I said, you know what? I need to come up with some type of holiday or something to remind myself and then share it with others of this lesson. So I reached out to these travel industry friends of mine, peers, family members, people on social media, and I said, hey, I need to start something so that I can share this wisdom with others. And a lot of people came up with a holiday name of like Rebirth Day, Renaissance Day, um, a rebirth day, and I said, no, that's not quite it. It's not quite a rebirth because it needs to be something that everyone can connect with. And a travel industry friend, peer of mine, who I still haven't met in person, but uh, we have spoken on the phone and he's uh, given uh, an acknowledgement in my book. Chris, he came up with Look Up Day. And so Look Up Day, I started uh, in 2010. Uh, it's celebrated every 27th of the month. And it is to remind us all to do two things. Because look up is a double entendre. From my story, if I, I would have been looking up or more in the moment, being mindful, aware of my surroundings, the beauty of the fall colors, as well as the hazard of a thousand pound tree limb, I might have averted that, uh, that catastrophe. But the other part of look up day is to spin each situation positively because regardless of what situation you are in and how bad it looks, there is some learning, some wisdom there. Because wounds, hurdles, hiccups, they all do end up making us very interesting and wise characters. Mm -hmm. So um, out of my experience, I created this holiday because I thought, you know, a yearly celebration, that would just be 
a lot of time, 364 days of the year to revert to bad habits. So I said, monthly, that's at least a good check-in with you know, what I'm doing, my path. Then after doing the monthly thing, I said, you know what? This is a life tool that I should have in the back of my pocket and, and share it with others so that they have it at any point in time, whether it's an annoying TSA line at the airport and you're just, just in a rush to get on the plane, you're probably going to uh, lose the plane and you take out this mantra from your back pocket and you say, hey, you know what? Heidi or Marilyn, look up. I mean, be in the moment. Mm -hmm. Appreciate, appreciate where you are right now, what you're feeling, uh, as well as positively spin it in some sort of fashion. Um, whether that is, you know, things that are going on with your health, your career, or a relationship. Yeah, it's very cool. I love that. I mean, it's easy to remember, and it, you know, it gives you a little chuckle, which yeah. is always a good thing. So, how do you? So, so talk to us some about the, these adventures that you're on and being an adventurer and how you connect the look up to the adventure. And what's the connection? Well, the connection is perspective. And that's what the mantra allows you to do is to shift your perspective in just a moment. And that's really a, a tool that we all have with us at all all moments every day of every week we have the ability to shift our perspective our, our situation our life our paths sometimes we lose focus and we get too busy or we are juggling too many balls that we realize that we have that in our power and so in creation of that holiday and that mantra i said Okay, so that's kind of like my daily dose of, of perspective is this mantra, look up, and I can use it at any, any place that I am any, at any time. But what also shifts perspective? Well, exercise, other meditation forms, and I guess I choose and I share with others that adventure is my meditation, and I think it really can be for just about anyone. And by adventure, I don't mean that you have to jump out of a plane or scuba dive the Great Barrier Reef. Uh, adventure can be something that's physical. It can be for adrenaline junkies. Or it could be something that's a combination of emotional, mental, and physical, like trying a new sport, like stand-up paddleboarding, maybe writing a book, or even turning your hobby into a profession. It's something that gets you in in the moment that it's all encompassing so that you cannot be thinking about all of the other things that are on that to-do list. So the reason why adventure is a part of my life and I share that with others is because I think by having those frequent doses of perspective that you choose is essential to check, on, check in with yourself and your life path. And as far as the adventures that I have most recently been taking, uh, just two days ago, I returned from Cuba, and I've been traveling to Cuba for the last several years. I have been there, I believe it's now 16 times, and each and every time that I go to Cuba, I, I see it with different eyes, and it gives me uh, a little shift in perspective about my life uh, here in Fort Lauderdale, or about the relations between our two countries, as well as I see it differently for, uh, for reasons of the people that are traveling with me. So do you consider an adventure a stretch, a safe, like a stretch, like a part of life, an adventure? I think that adventure is something new, challenging, and I think stretch would be a, a good word. It takes you a little bit out of your comfort zone. It doesn't have to be uh, something that it's... You know, I think it, it's really great when you assign the word adventure to things that are a little bit different. I think it takes away some of the fear. It's an adventure. It's like a it's a, it's a, it's a, it's traveling through something. It's experiencing something new. 
and I think it, it's a really beautiful word to use for something that's new that you may not have done before. It's doing it in spite of the fear. Yeah, There's a, a little the apprehension there, mm -hmm. but you do it in spite of that. Yeah, it's not and the fear that controls you. Yes. Let me ask you something. With having had that experience, it's, it's interesting, Without, with having had all of those experiences, those three experiences, and now uh, your life is so, so much a part of having adventures, do you feel um, a, a, a sense of being safe as well? I mean, you've had something really big happen. Do you feel safer in this, in this world, in this land, in, the, in your body? since you've had something so big happen? You feel like you can adventure is a little easier or more you're more open because you've had something so big happen already? I would say that after my experience, everything else seems like small potatoes. Mm -hmm. So I feel much more secure with the person that I am, the path that I'm on. It doesn't mean that I'm fearless because that would be ridiculous. Right. Um, I acknowledge fear, but don't let it control my path. Uh, and I'm very much in, in tune with what's happening around me. So uh, a safe factor, I believe, is knowing what's around you, who's around you, uh, the beauty as well as hazards. Mm -hmm. Hence looking up. Exactly. And looking up. So tell us, what kind of adventures? I mean, what does an adventure mean to you? I mean, obviously you've been to Cuba 16 times. So what do you, what do you do in an adventure? It's something that, uh, as I, I said, it's all-encompassing. Mm -hmm. So some adventures that I have taken have not been, uh, you know, thrill factors. They weren't something that was like whitewater rafting a class four river. It was going into a studio and recording my first and second book in audio versions. And that was an adventure because I could not be thinking about anything other than how can I read my own words, but now um, read it with an emotional emphasis and giving even more of myself to an audience. Um, also, starting a new career is an adventure although it may not be, uh, in most cases, not physically adventurous, it certainly is putting yourself out there and stretching yourself uh, to use other talents as well as to collaborate with other people. Yeah, you know, it's interesting. I love, I, I used to use the word adventure here and there, but you have put a spotlight on it, which I really appreciate. Because I feel like sometimes we set ourselves up to say um, that we're getting ready to do something and there has to be a right and a wrong. It has to be a, perf there has to be like maybe a perfection in it. And when you set it up as an adventure, it's, it's, it's not about the right and the wrong. It's an adventure. I don't know how to other than explain it that way, but it's, it's, it's an adventure. It's not about, it's whatever, whatever you, Whatever you see, whatever you get, whatever you find, whatever you experience, it isn't about right and wrong. It's an and event. life is yeah. an adventure. And life, life is an is. adventure. And I sometimes tell my, my story with the caveat that didn't you always love those books when we were children, those choose-your-own-adventure books? Well, in this life, you come to those crossroads and you have the opportunity to choose whether you want to go to Paris and go to the Louvre, uh, B, you want to stay home and watch Netflix and eat a pizza, or C, you want to write another chapter in your book. So I, I think that adventure is a, a really great way to positively spin uh, just about anything that uh, you're about to embark upon because there are a lot of in, um, uncertain things that are going to come across that path. Some will be needed detours, others will be hurdles, some will be flat tires, others will be uh, people that you were meant uh, to collaborate with.
on this thing called life. Yeah, there's a curiosity attached to um, to adventure. So Heidi, I know you have your book there, and I was would love for you to give us a little sampling, maybe you know, of a little passage that you would like to share. Oh yeah, it's a yeah. beautiful book. Yeah, so you'll see on the cover it has the fall leaves, so with a connection to the actual incident, and then that the when all balls drop moment, you guys already know the balls that drop, but that there was an upside to losing everything, and that was really perspective and the mantra, look up. So um, I explained to you that after leaving the hospital, I returned, or I was unable to return to South Florida, but I was staying with my mother in her living room, and she has um, two pets, and she's also married, and I'll read you the vignette that takes place at her place that's outside of Chumsford, Massachusetts, and it's entitled The Instincts of Animals. One of the saving graces of much of my Massachusetts alone time was having two pets in the house, Meg, an older German shepherd, and Kasha, a mature gray and black tabby cat, awaiting her ninth life. I had never been fond of either of the animals. I rarely petted them. However, I enjoyed having their energy around me. During the first days, I was at my lowest point, suffering from pain in my legs and taking pain pills and napping most of the day. It was obvious that Meg and Kasha were looking out for me. Each morning, I received wake-up therapy from Meg, who strolled by my bed and licked me before continuing to her dog dish in the kitchen and snagging any leftovers from the cat's dish, too. Kasha, since she was smaller, was able to sneak into my bed each night. I didn't even notice until morning when a cat adorned the foot of the bed. Perhaps she thought I'd be mad, but I never was. When the house was empty with both my mom and Frank at work, the meows and barks of both animals, and sometimes their flatulence, comforted me in a strange way. However, it was not long until the first major pet tragedy occurred. Not more than a week after I arrived, Kasha wasn't eating or drinking. She had lost weight and appeared very weak. However, she still visited my bed. The vet said there was not much to do other than to put her down or wait, prolonging her suffering. Until her last days, Kasha was gracious and clearly worried about me, perhaps because she also felt uncomfortable, in pain, and out of sorts. Meg continued to visit me throughout my entire stay. Although stinky at times, she provided company for me as well as a sort of protection from the occasional house delivery or visitor. In fact, one day the doorbell rang and Meg barked. I was waiting for a package, but with my brace, I could not get a good view outside. I eventually opened the door to a young Jehovah's Witness. Very clean cut, probably in his teens. He introduced himself with his mother supportively standing behind him in the front yard. He tried not to react to my brace and my bruising as he focused on reciting his script. But the surprised look on his face said it all. He certainly didn't expect to be greeted by a bruised, injured woman in a cage and with a German Shepherd guard dog. After listening briefly, I interrupted him. Thank you for coming. I need to rest, I said. He handed me his pamphlet, and I closed the door. Ironically, the pamphlet stated, The end of suffering is near.
How true. <laughs> yes, the end of my suffering was near, but how near I did not know. It's beautiful. Butimus, Butimus. Thank you very much. You're very welcome. So tell us, where are you going to adventure next besides Cuba, or are you going back to Cuba? Well, next week I'm going to be going on a lifestyle retreat to Antigua with two other peer authors here from South Florida. We have uh, a retreat at St. John's Resort, uh, an interview with a local television television station, and a book signing at uh, a bookstore there. And then the following week, I will be back to Cuba. Hmm. So adventures, ahoy! Oh, really? So, so you just are traveling constantly, then, as it as it appears. Uh, right now, you're catching me on a week and a half that I am staying put in South Florida. But that doesn't mean that there won't be a few adventures that I will take while in South Florida. Mm -hmm. uh, I enjoy being active because I have this second chance to be on this planet and healthy. Mm -hmm. So uh, this afternoon I'll be heading to Hollywood, Florida and going bike riding, uh, taking probably kayaks out for a spin later this week. So your body, Heidi, how is your body? My body, uh, my neck has full uh, mobility, um, which is most people's first question because my C7 vertebra was um, encapsulated in something like cheesecloth and then it was allowed to naturally fuse the bones there. But as a secretary precaution, I do have steel around there. And luckily my surgeon was uh, excellent. I can't say the same about his bedside manner, <laughs> but, but you know, at least he did the job uh, very well. Uh, and the rest, uh, I had to have a team of healthcare professionals help me with the PT, the pain, as well as uh, getting my wits about me. You know, I don't. I I know you said this early on in one way, shape, or form, we, we don't always need to have these extreme experiences to release us and have us see the light of day. But sometimes we do, and sometimes other people do, so we can see our light of day. So I hope that you are listening to this, and, and if you've had some kind of knock on the head, some kind of, you know, you know, down to your knees kind of experience that you're taking this and you're saying, you know what, enough of my being on my knees. It's time for me to take my next, next adventure because you're still here. If you have not had one, you don't have to have one. Just listen to hers. That's enough. Just know by listening to hers that, you know, life is meant for bigness. It's meant for adventures, it's meant for bigness, it's meant for us to teach each other, learn from each other, share, experience, explore, all of those things. And you know, one of the things we do here is we bring you these stories so that you will take a look and go, maybe one more story down the road, or maybe today's story, you'll say, you know what, I'm ready. So Heidi, what what's your, like, your big, thing like what do you want to leave our audience with what do you want to turn on in them well i hope to inspire others to conquer their fears to head for adventure and embark on a life 2.0 and i i talk about this life 2.0 because our our cell phones our laptops they all have these software updates for us. Well, life needs updates too. And so I, I hope that by sharing my story here, writing my books and speaking, that my story of post-traumatic growth inspires others to do the very same with their lives. So your, um, your way of, t of doing this two-point update is to do a look up because that doesn't update <laughs> i think that perspective allows you for updates so those daily 
doses of perspective through using the lookup mantra mm -hmm. is one way. And then occasionally, you need a larger dose of perspective. And that's why I seek adventure. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's really interesting when I mean, I'm in the process of working on giving a big training the beginning of June. And I've done variations of this before, but this is a, a, another variation. And, you know, there's a part of me that goes, oh, am I going to land it? Am, am I going to do a good job for this group? Am I going to, you know, how, how's it going to go? And now I'm going to look at it even a little bit different. I'm going to look, it's, it's an adventure. What am I going to learn? I know I'm going to learn something. I know that I've been put there to do this for a reason. And what's my takeaway? And, and what's the takeaway of the group that I'm going to be with? So I'm, I'm, I'm thanking you very much for giving, for re-giving me this word adventure. So it's, re it's yeah. a rekindled, it's yeah. a rekindled word. Yeah, it's great. And, I, and it's fun. It takes away some of that other part. It makes it fun. It makes it like, okay, it's an adventure. I'll learn something. I'll take away, I'll learn something, and it'll be great. So tell everybody about your second book as well. Uh, the second book picks yeah. up where the first one left off, and it's called With New Eyes, The Power of Perspective. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's full of adventures. Uh, it follows me through architecting a life 2.0. Mm -hmm. After losing everything, I could have chosen to rebuild the exact life that I had. However, I said, no, I'm going to make a new, improved, better, bolder version of this life 2.0. So there's quite a bit of adventure, travel. There's also re-entering the dating world, which was an adventure to say the least. Um, and also following my journey to this career that you now see me in, which is a hybrid career of writing and traveling. So career, so career-wise, it's working. I mean, you just put the, the metal to the pedal and said, I'm going to live this life and I'm going to make money from it. And you're doing that. I am. And, uh, I am making uh, great strides with the first and second book. The first book, When All Balls Drop, is actually transitioning to movie. So I am delighted to share that it's not only going to inspire on the page in its audio version, but also visually, because the story is uh, very dramatic from a visual perspective. Uh, and then I also lead adventures around the world, and that provides other income as well as future stories because my third book is coming out. Uh, it should be early 2017, and it's called Cubicle to Cuba, and it follows the transformation from leaving the corporate world for doing what I do now, that hybrid career. So a hybrid career, which is a really interesting way of saying it because so many entrepreneurs are investing themselves, their time, their money into things that are unique to them or unique to everyone. I mean, because we can do anything we want to do and the opportunities are vast. I mean, pick a niche. If you want to, you know, just write a book about chocolate, go ahead. I mean, if whatever you want to do, you just have to pick it and make that decision to do it. And that's what you're, that's what you're saying. You could, you know, as long as you, if you want it badly enough, you can have it. And I created something out of my passions that is now financially taking care of me. Mm. It's fabulous. That's, you know, so whatever your idea is, you can, you can pretty much make it happen. Check into your life because Heidi is saying she took her passion. Well, she's been using travel as part of her work already. So check in with your life. What are the things that you have been doing or that a way of you been living or when you were a kid what were the things that stuck out in your life because those will tell you a story of where you want to go what would you do if you didn't need to make money from it you know that is your passion or, or something that you gravitate towards and 
start uh, toying around with how you could make that into a hybrid career. So tell us about your dating world. Can you, oh. can you give us a little bit of that too? <laughs> yes. Um, so I decided to get a divorce um, after the infidelity in my when all balls drop moment and re-entering the dating world after being out of the dating world for after 10 years was very much interesting. There was no such thing as uh, eHarmony and uh, Facebook when I was dating earlier. So that was um, a, a new, I guess, new way of dating. I chose to not date online and to do it the old-fashioned way. And after dating a bench full of Mr. Wrongs, um, granted, they were all an adventure because they taught me something, uh, that my husband was not uh, the only person with bad attributes. There was a whole slew of them elsewhere. But I ended up stumbling upon Mr. Wright by taking an adventure. I took my first helicopter flight um, in South Florida, and it was a lesson so that I could learn how to fly a helicopter. And it just turned out that Mr. Wright was a helicopter flight instructor. Mm -hmm. Sounds So you don't say no very much, do you? I don't. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. And sometimes even if the first experience with an activity or a place or a person wasn't quite uh, 100%, I try it again because uh, sometimes people, things, or places are an acquired taste. That's very important not to give up the first time go around. You, you know, a lot of times you do have to look at it. I love that. A lot of times you have to look at it again and say, okay, let me give it another try and see because, you know, the first time may not be the greatest um, lesson in that. You need another one. And, you know, you have to tweak it maybe, but the second time it can work. So, Heidi, tell us where we find your book. Uh, you can find both When All Balls Drop and With New Eyes on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, as well as iTunes and Audible. Mm -hmm. um, you can also find all of my adventures, books, stories, uh, social media accounts on my website, which is my name, HeidiSiefkes.com. Perfect. And Amnon said you have a really beautiful smile. Uh, thank you so much. <laughs> So he's sitting here and he's enjoying it as well. So I, I want to add something that you may take something. I don't mind you using it. Um, <laughs> grew up in Israel and in the situation there back in the 70s, I, I had a, a bad experience. And from that, I adopted an old song title that said, Only the ones that were close to die wake up to live life like that. And it, it's, 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 it, I, I see the same thing in you. Well, thank you. It's fabulous, yeah. You know, I, many years ago, I was driving on the highway, and I was needing to get somewhere, and I was driving. There was traffic. So, you know, it's not like you can go from one lane to another very easily. And right in front of me was a big, huge piece of metal. And, I mean, huge. And I didn't think about what I was going to do. I just di I just swerved to the right. And thank God there wasn't another car there. And I took that as an omen. You know, like, Marilyn, your, your time is not up yet. And you have responsibilities and you have some things to accomplish, as we all do. And so I appreciate and thank you, Heidi, for hearing the message and the call. And doing something that's fun. You know, it doesn't, I mean, we've made life in some regards way too complicated and not, not enough play. If it's not fun, people aren't going to do it. Exactly. Exactly. We got to have fun through our life. I mean, personally and sharing fun, it's really important. So I appreciate that. So we have like one little minute to go. What would you like to close with? I'd like to remind people of the tool that they have in their back pocket, which is look up. And so I typically end my blog posts, my books, and even interviews with here's to looking up. So we'll click to that. 
<laughs> Cheers, everybody. Heidi, thank you so much. You're delightful. Thank you, and we appreciate it. And everybody out there, uh, thanks for joining us on this adventure today. Go out and carve out your own adventures and have fun with them. And let us know what you're up to. Write me anytime at Marilyn at MarilynShannon.com. So with that, I want to say goodbye, and we'll see you next week. Bye-bye. You're tuned to the Nissan Communications Network. Our weekly lineup of call-in programs includes Computers 2K Now with Omnon Nissan, My Life, My Will with Gisela DiCarlo, The Tanya Love Show, Help Then with Debbie Brock, Breaking Free with Marilyn Shannon, Triangle Be Well with Howard Jacobson, Lunch and Learn with Rabbi Yisrael Cutler, Lessons of Vietnam with NCVVI members, Parent Dome with Ryan Miller, Current Affairs with Amnon Nissan. And if you tuned in too late, you can always watch each program in its entirety or download an MP3 audio file of it in the archive section on NissanCommunications.com. Don't forget to subscribe to our YouTube channel, follow us on Twitter, and like us on Facebook. Sponsored by Atomos.com, makers of quality video recorders and converters, CarolinaApparel.com, and DeltaForce.net.